Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Mark Stinson. He's the founder of Bioscience Bridge, LLC. He's also the host of an incredible podcast called the Unlocking Your World of Creativity podcast. And he joins us today to talk about, are you consciously developing your brand to reach your customers, to take them on an experience where they love what you do, they love what you're selling to them, and ultimately, they're wanting to come back for more. Mark is an incredible person, an incredible entrepreneur in his own right, and he came to us via the PodMax event. He's got so many great insights today. You're going to love this episode. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, thanks for checking out another episode of the Good Advice Podcast, bringing you another guest from our awesome PodMax event. If you're not familiar with the PodMax event, it's the number one place to meet other entrepreneurs, other business owners, and really swap notes and make some really incredible connections. By the way, you got to check out more on that on podmax.co. Today's guest is Mark Stinson. He's the founder of Bioscience Bridge, LLC. He's the founder and principal of this business, and it's a conscious brand consultancy. We're going to be talking more about what that is, but his work includes market research, customer journeys, product branding, really the whole shebang on how you develop marketing strategy for the health science, for, excuse me, for health science and technology products. He's also the author of a plenty, a plentitude of books, Uh, Patient Activation, Forward Fast Branding, Customer Chemistry, Innovate Creative Groups, and especially one of his latest books, A World of Creativity, which you can get for nearly half price on his website. He's also a fellow podcaster, which of course, we got to shout out our fellow podcasters. He has Intellecti Leadership Stories. I'm sure I flubbed that again. Um, And Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And lastly, he's been included in the Pharma Voice 100 Most Inspiring Voices, uh, excuse me, Inspiring People in the Life Sciences Industry. Mark, so much to say about you. So excited to have you here today. How's it going? Well, thanks for that introduction, Blake. It's just great to be with you. Now, we, we got to fix my mistake here. Intellecki. Intellecki. Oh my God, and, why uh, did I screw that you, up so much? <laughs> you, are, you are, of course, one of the 4 million people who've never heard of this word. And then <laughs> we branded a podcast with it. But it's a, a term back from Aristotle uh, times. And uh, Aristotle said, well, we all have this human potential inside of us, mm. almost like the seed already has the flower in it. You know, the, the tulip bulb already has the tulip in it. All you have to do is plant it, nurture it, water it, and then your full potential. And that's what IntelliKey means. Well, well for, the, for the listeners, this is how much of a jackass I am. I, before <laughs> we even hit record, I, I, we rehearsed this word. And for whatever reason, it's like once it record, I was like, I, I don't remember at all how to say it. It's like one ear out the other, I guess. So I'm glad. Well, we, I, <laughs> yeah, since you mentioned that we also have this podcast, I interviewed a guy the other day on that program and his name was Bo. And I called him bro about four times. And it's like, no, it's Bo. 
It's like, oh, okay, bro. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like uh, I, I was talking to someone and uh, it's, it's just so funny, like the connections you make with people and like as you hash out, you know, you're building a relationship. But I had someone, I said something like, um, so what business are you in? And they told me the industry and I go, wow, that's awesome. So what business are you in? Yeah. And he was like, I, we just, it was like that Derek yes. Zoolander, like, what, what do you, we just talked about this. Did like, I just you? say this? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like this automated processing we get into. But I, I do want to go back though, that, that comment you made on Aristotle, I think that might be an interesting place to start because obviously this is a business podcast, this is an entrepreneurship podcast. You have a lifelong history of entrepreneurship and it feels like people are drawn to entrepreneurship because there is this sense of, I do have something in me that I want to offer to the entire world, although I may not know exactly what it is. And so I'd love to hear more about sort of your drive around this concept and how it's kind of formed your perspective on business. Yeah. Well, and you're right. I mean, some entrepreneurs say I have this great idea and, you know, they think of it as a money-making scheme or, you know, I've always been good at this craft or whatever. And I thought I'd start my own business selling this thing. Uh, but there are other people, like you say, who have had this calling. I mean, there is a higher purpose to what they might be trying to do. And if they can either break the gravitational pull of their full-time corporate job, you know, or do what they need to do to get out there. Uh, and it, sometimes it's a side hustle to start. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, like me, I was, quote, given the opportunity to go mm -hmm. start my own company, meaning, yes, I was fired. <laughs> and it took me about a decade to say those words. But, uh, you know, whatever you're doing to find a higher purpose, that's what the IntelliKey sort of concept is all about. So is this a word you discovered in, in your since you started your business or is this something that you've just, you've, you've, it's been part of your DNA for a long time. I mean, it's an abstract word, obviously. Yeah. So no, this, this word is nine months in my vocabulary. <laughs> so uh, a friend of mine uh, and a coach of mine, uh, Kirsten Gouldie is my co-host on the program. And it was her word that she brought to me and she wanted to form a company around it and a consulting practice and a coaching practice uh, to help people find whatever that passion is. Because how many of us say, I just don't know what my purpose is? Mm. You know, why am I here? What is my real passion? Um, and so she takes you through a program to, to think that through. But she said this word, and I stumbled over it about 19 times like you did. <laughs> and it's like, oh, IntelliKey, I, I get it now. And as soon as you start painting this picture of, no, it's really whatever it is that's already inside you. It's not external. Mm. You know, you can, somebody can't tell you what your soul's purpose is. You know, somebody can't tell you what your heart's desire is. You have to find that in yourself. Well, it, it, but it feels like, and I, I love this conversation, it kind of brings me back to um, that book, Purpose Driven Life, yes. that was a huge bestseller. And even for people who weren't, so it, for, for listeners maybe haven't checked out this book, I guess it came out maybe a decade or even more ago, and it was a, a national, international bestseller written by a Christian uh, pastor, but it was a, a bestseller even outside of the Christian faith because of this central concept of exactly what you said, what, what is my soul's purpose? Like, what, what the heck am I doing here? Yes. And I want to ask you more about this because it feels like, it, it feels like a couple of things, uh, two things really. Sorry, let me just, let me edit this more. <laughs> three things, three three kinds of people. You have the person who like they are so there's so much clarity on who they are and what they bring to the table. 
And these are the people that are so energizing to be around because they're like, oh my gosh, this person, like they get it. Like it's, 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 you feel better being around them because they've, they've found, they've had this aha moment. And then you have the person who they, and I love the phrasing you use, it's the gravitational pull of their corporate job. (laughs) They're stuck in that job. They don't quite know what their passion is, but they just know it's not what they're doing. And then the third group, they, they don't even know any inkling about passion. It's, it's like the person who maybe I ask, I say, yeah, well, what are you passionate about? And they go, I don't know. What do you like doing? I don't know. I'm like, you're 35. Like, when are you going to figure it out? You know, and, yes. it, and I don't mean that harshly. I just mean like people who just, they're just like, I just don't know. And so for that second and third group, wh- what is it that keeps people from having this moment of clarity and like figuring this out, sort of that self-reflecting, oh yeah, that's what I should do. Like, why does it feel like we really struggle to solidify that? Yeah. And I think when Kirsten and I started this podcast and started talking to, to people, you know, we thought it would be an intellectual exercise. You know, we weren't really trying to have a spiritual woo-woo discussion with these people, but we knew there was something inside you that says either, yes, I'm not doing it now because I know this doesn't feel right, uh, or I know there's something more, you know, those people you just described. And these podcasts almost became counseling sessions. <laughs> you know, we started off talking about strategy or market research, or we started talking about social justice, or we started talking about conscious brands, and I'll come back to what that means in a yeah. second. But, but all of a sudden, you know, people realize, you know, I thought I was coming on here to talk about how to make entrepreneurs' life easier. Mm-hmm. And now I'm talking about my life and how I didn't want to be sometimes physically or mentally, you know, psychologically abused at a job that I hated every second I was there. But I couldn't leave because they were paying me so much money, (laughs) you know? And I thought, well, I don't don't believe in myself enough or I'm unsure of my own potential. And if if there's one entrepreneur that's listening that's ever felt that, there's a thousand, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I just don't know if I should start my own company because I don't know if I'm good enough. Um, or if I can make money at it. So I think all of that says, look inside you and uh, you're better than you think you are. Mm-hmm. Get some, yeah, get some external validation. That's just good market research and good business practice. But do what you are, are feeling good about. Yeah, I mean, are people, are, do we just, do we just, <clears throat> or do we just not take the time to self-reflect? I mean, because, you know, you meet someone like yourself or you, you run into, again, it's that first group where it's like, okay, this person has, it's not blowing smoke. It's not like fluff or, um, you know, to borrow your words, it's not like this like emotional, emotionally driven or spiritual conversation. It's like this. And I love how you, how you describe this. It almost has this practical implication of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very real. Um, like, wh- I mean, are people just moving too fast that they're not pausing and like really thinking, what do I want? Like, what do I love? What do I, I mean, what's your, what's your, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, what's it called? The, uh, I can't think of the expression like um, driver's seat, you know, philosophy on, you know, being a counselor or I don't know. Yes, there you go. Uh, I guess what you're saying. Well, there's definitely no question that there's a speed of life. You know, there's uh, multiple priorities coming into your world. Um, I think more people are now practicing, say, meditation. Uh, And look, whether it's five minutes or, or you cross leg and you go to some other dimension for an hour, Uh, Okay, but whatever that meditation is for you, people are doing yoga, 
you know, people are doing things that do slow this down and give me a little time to think. Uh, I had the pleasure of talking with somebody the other day in Nottingham, England. And of course, I was thinking about Nottingham, but I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to be that geeky guy. And she says, you know, Nottingham, like Robin Hood. And I said, I was thinking about Robin Hood. And she says, I take a walk in the forest every day, you know, that inspired these stories. And so there's this almost I don't know. And again, I, I went a little woo-woo and it's like there's some ancient footsteps in the Nottingham forest that you couldn't help but get a little creative energy from, mm-hmm. you know, and some insight. So just, yeah, take a walk in the hills, take a walk mm-hmm. around your neighborhood and get the fresh air. Let's, let's, let's partner this. I'm sorry, did I, did I interrupt you, by the way? No, no. Okay. Let's, let's partner this with, with some of the stuff that comes up. I see the word creative coming up. You just use the word yourself. Um, creative energy, creativity. It's, it's obviously a theme in the books that you're publishing. But you also talked about a second ago, and I mentioned it in your bio, this, this concept of conscious branding. Mm-hmm. Can you help me, help me pair these two things together? Because obviously you're not, you're not, you're not a, um, what you're doing is you're not like promoting uh, spiritual truths in the sense of you're not selling anything like that. You're, you're helping businesses, right? And so yes. I'd, I'd love to hear more about how these things have linked together and really what you're doing for people. Yes. And I think more and more people are appreciating the impact on the world that their brand can have. For example, like you and I just uh, met a guy called Chris Doe, you know, who wants to make an impact on the billion people in the world uh, with an educational platform. That, that's a global impact idea. Mm-hmm. And of course, you counter that with if you have a bottled water or if you have a, you know, energy, non-renewable energy source, you know, that there's this negative impact on the world mm-hmm. you know, that you're depleting or taking away from. And so, so many brands are now saying, and look, you can talk about a sneaker brand, for example. Okay, we not only want to make less negative impact, you know, with the uh, sort of wastage of our product or after it's done, what happens to it? But could we make a positive impact? Could we contribute to renewable, you know, materials or could we hire people in a more humane employment situation. You know, these are things that are making positive impacts. And so I I like to work with clients who are saying, of course, we owe it to the shareholders. We're a a commercial venture. We we have to make money. Everybody gets that. Um, But we also want to make a positive impact on people's lives. So a lot of my clients are in the healthcare business, for example. And, you know, pharmaceutical companies haven't always had the most positive image, which is amazing because they make life-saving, you know, medications and life-saving therapies. But there was an economic problem. You know, people couldn't afford it or people couldn't get access to it. And so the companies that are being creative right now are saying, you know, yes, we want to make something that will help your disease. And yes, there has to be a financial exchange or transaction, but can it be more than that? Mm -hmm. And so can we offer you, you know, sort of non-medical or non-pharmacologic treatment to complement what we do or something like that? I'm only using those as examples. And I don't know if this is this is too much of a pushback, but, but the example I'm thinking of is like the price of insulin in the United States, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you find it, typically find it much cheaper in other countries. And yet in the United States, um, essentially because of um, its, its, its prices beholden to 
capitalism, which I'm not, I'm not anti-capitalism. I'm just saying like, because of the way that uh, it's, it's basically run through a particular company or a parent company, that company um, as, as our society demands it is able to set the price to whatever it wants. And yet it, that negative output is now you have people who are unable to afford their medication or um, uh, read a horrible story about, um, I can't think of the word, uh, rationing, rationing their insulin. So I'm actually, yes. instead of taking it every day, I'm going to take it every <coughs> two days or every three days just so yes. I can stretch it out longer. Uh, and I read a story about a guy who actually died because he, he mismanaged that rationing. And so you, mm-hmm. you read stories like that. And so it's like, yes, I want I want there to be, I'm okay with people um, having that financial exchange, but it feels like we're struggling to find that balance between the, the increasing the positive loop and decreasing the negative impact. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And look, there are, there are experts far more than me on the healthcare system and the healthcare crisis and insurance and payment and so forth. But I have ridden this roller coaster of healthcare issues, policies for my whole career. And so we're, we're going back decades now. But um, what, what happens is there's so many layers of the, the story that you just told you know, yes, there's the manufacturer, there's also a distributor, there's also a doctor who is dispensing it, there's a pharmacy that's that's selling it. And at each one of those stages, and I, I don't mean to sound like a libertarian in my political s- s- bent here, but each one of those steps is so over-regulated, and so the cost burden at each one of those steps. So you think about it yeah. in an entrepreneur's world, that there's this customer journey you know, and, and that applies in healthcare as much as it does in any other, you know, uh, entrepreneur's business. But there's a customer journey, and in each one of those milestones, there there's a uh, a gatekeeper, you know, and a regulator involved, mm-hmm. and there's a toll that has to be paid. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think of that analogy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you know, I, I think it's uh, there's lots of answers. You know, it's, people should not be taking half a blood pressure pill instead of a whole pill just to ration it and afford it. There's, there's other ways. Uh, unfortunately, we've also, I say we, the industry sometimes makes it difficult to know what those are, mm-hmm. but there's lots of assistance programs, lots of, you know, uh, support programs, you mm-hmm. know, that can help those situations, so, but it's, it's difficult. So specifically for the work that you're doing, it, how, how are you helping businesses? Um, maybe this sounds too cynical a term, play the game, so to speak, in the sense of, in spite of how the, and this is not just the healthcare industry, this is all the industries that you work with, play, play the game in the sense of just being competitive, actually running a functioning business, you know, actually, you know, the, the lights have to stay on tomorrow, the next day, the next day. How do you help businesses find that balance between we're going to be financially um, good stewards of our P&L, so to speak, but on the same token, really embrace that, that conscious positive impact in a way that isn't fluffy. And, and the, re- the reason I say the word fluffy is because a lot of times these, um, these uh, I don't know how to describe it. A lot of times these positive impacts are really, they are veiled PR or marketing stunts. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to sound cynical. I just mean that a lot of times things, actions are done not because the company inherently is looking to make that positive impact, 
they are finding ways to spin things or they find social movements to be part of. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll give a really great example. Black Lives Matter. I think what was really interesting during um, this past summertime were not the businesses who said, hey, we stand with BLM. I thought what was really interesting were the businesses, I got an email from a company that said, hey, here's what we've been doing for Black Lives over the last 20 years. And so there's a, there's a, there's a weight there. There's a, um, it's, it's okay, I see this is actually part of this company's DNA, not just, um, you know, this is a great time to promote X, Y, or Z. So really long question, really a lot of information there, but what is, what is that actual real tangible balance look like uh, in some of the work that you're doing? Yeah, well, I'll try to give you a few actual examples because I could also pontificate philosophically on how you should do it, but I'll tell you how a couple <laughs> of companies really have done it. Sure. Um, but I mean, for example, I was just talking about one pharmaceutical company that I worked with that came to mind as you were asking that question. So they, they said, look, there's a rare disease that people may not even know they have it and what to call it. So the first, it has to be diagnosed properly. But we've actually created a treatment that uses an old product that has been taken for forever, but we're going to put it in a tablet form that you could actually take. It'll be easier to take, and it'll actually work better because it'll stay, you know, in the back of the throat or wherever they say, you know, it needs to be to work. Okay. So they have a great product. Well, we said, well, we have to better understand the patient's journey through this diagnostic treatment process. They might try and fail or they might, you know, go through several doctors and finally get the right treatment. So we had a, uh, a patient advisory board and got these patients in a room together and they were able to meet people that had their disease for the first time because it's so rare. Mm. So that's a, I find that to be a personal impact. I mean, that was helping people in a real way. We didn't make money. And in fact, it cost us money to have mm -hmm. that. But that was a, a real. Now, further to that, in the meeting, we showed them a uh, sample of the product. We showed them the ingredients. We told them about the manufacturing process. And they gave us ideas. And again, I'll, I'll talk in generalities. But, you know, this packaging could be simpler. Because if you throw it away, it can't be recycled. Oh, well, we can improve that. Oh, this product has three or four ingredients. Not only do we really not need them and want them, what if we're allergic to them? Take those ingredients out. Well, that could save not only money of ingredients, but it could also save the waste or the pollution mm -hmm. of having those ingredients you know, out into the, the rivers. But uh, yeah, that's one example. Now, you, you went to a real social uh, issue right now, and that's Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, on this IntelliKey podcast, we've probably talked to a dozen black leaders, authors, you know, uh, doctors, people that we wanted to hear because we keep saying we need to have a conversation. Mm -hmm. So they said just what you were saying. Look, if you're a fast food restaurant and you're saying we're going to donate a dollar for every burger we sell to the Black Lives Matter or to some, you know, social uh, cause. That's that's a short-term promotion. You were going to give the money to somebody. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you're going to give it to this cause makes a nice promotion, but it's not impactful. On the other end of the spectrum, if somebody says there needed to be fundamental change in the boardroom of these companies, 
And we could look cynically at it and we said, oh, it was a nice time to promote so-and-so to the you know, board and, oh, they now they have a more diverse board and they have people of color. Oh, and they promoted women. Oh, isn't that a nice thing? But isn't that the change that people were asking for? You know? Yeah. And so to hear a company say, you know what? You're right. We, we need to change. We've had nothing but white middle-aged males, you know, in our C-suite. And you're right. Now it is time. So the CFO will now be this woman of color. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that's a gimmick. Now, some people say it was, you know, reactive and responsive, but I guess I also say it is responsive. Mm-hmm. You know, we heard you, we wanted to take action. And yeah, that, and I, that's, that is sometimes brave for the executives to do. I mean, it's, it's a conscious, socially responsible thing to do, and it's not always popular. Well, and maybe, maybe, and I, I, maybe I'm creating a slant on the conversation in the sense of, I think, I think many people, we are so, um, I don't know if it's, if it's like the news cycle where we're just drawn to negative news, but there, there is a, a little bit of a suspicion of, of anything that happens in our world in the sense of, is that, was that really genuine? Did they really mean that? And so I'm, I'm probably slanting the conversation a little bit more than I should. I do oh, want people, to go are, people are jaded, you know, yeah, and maybe yeah, rightfully mean, so. And it's like, <laughs> hey, let's kick the tires and see if this is legit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, which that's a great expression, by the way. I've never heard that before, um, but I'm definitely <laughs> going to use that. But I do like going back to your first example, I do really like this concept of of how do we, it's almost like, how do we care for the whole person? And it's, it's not just like care for the whole environment, which is also important, but, but how do I care for this whole person? And so one important factor of anyone who's going through a, a chronic illness or a serious illness is their emotional support structure. Like, what does that actually look like? And so for a pharmaceutical company to recognize that and say, because this is rare, we don't know. I mean, you, you can't technically maybe Google it and find a support group for it. Um, how do we promote that for them? Um, I, I think that's an interesting way to approach, again, that positive, um, that positive loop for, um, for, for your customers. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of an innovative way, to, innovative way to think of it too, because uh, we don't always think about other elements uh, that are related to our customers that would be important to them. Um, again, if you're selling a product, you're not always thinking about what's their emotional support look like. Um, that's an interesting example for sure. Yeah. And I think it could apply to almost any business. And again, you have a wide range of entrepreneurs that would be listening to you. But if you get out of your own skin for a little bit and say, you know, that your customer as a person isn't thinking about your widget all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I hate, to, hate to burst your bubble. Right. You know? <laughs> Their world isn't revolved around your thing, you know, no matter how great it is. Um, and say, where does this fit in the rest of their life? You know, and maybe this is, hey, while they're doing something, my my product could fit into that rather than the other way around. Well, it's it's the framing of it, right? It's yes. it's. I feel like the people I've talked to who really have they've pinged how to grow a business. Their framing, their perspective is exactly what you said. It's it's what I'm providing is a complement to the pain that they are, it's a solution. I'm, I'm, I see my customer and I want to make their lives better, faster, whatever. The flip side of the businesses that I feel like are really struggling is exactly what you said. You know, you poked fun a little bit, but it's so common. The person who's like, my product's amazing. Who wouldn't want this? It's a bit of, it's a bit of the ego of business, I guess. 
But it feels like the sooner people can put that ego aside and realize your customers ultimately don't care about your product, they care about the pain going away, how much then faster that, um, you know, you can bring in that next sale. And it feels like especially new business owners, I don't know the size of companies you typically work with, but it feels like it's the newer business owners who really struggle with that concept the most. Well, yes. I mean, the ego, the bigger the company, and I work with, you know, the biggest companies out there and you would know they're all their names. Um, at that point, they often think because I'm the product manager of this thing, then that is the center of the universe because that's my job. And so everyone must revolve around this. Uh, but quite to your point, if we're thinking about how this fits into people's world, you know, rather than I'm trying to disrupt them or change their whole habits around what I bring, um, I wish I could think of a good example, but every time somebody uses this word disruption, I'm thinking, do you want your routine, your life disrupted? Hmm. Uh, so to say I'm disrupting the market, well, why does the market want to be, quote, disrupted? Now, you can make it easier, faster, smoother, cheaper, and a lot of things, but uh, I wouldn't, I don't uh, espouse the word disrupt because none of us like to be, you know, interrupted in our day for, yeah, for anything. It's, it's almost like, I guess it's the framing of the word, right? It's like if you perceive your product as, they're now going to change rhythm and beat to my drum. That seems more ego driven to me. The, mm -hmm. the way I see disruption in a positive way is going back to what you said a few minutes ago, it's, it's companies who aren't interested in the whole customer or they have the wrong perspective of the customer. So like the, one of the most cliche examples, Blockbuster and Netflix, you have Blockbuster who's saying our customers prefer to drive to our stores and come to the stores. They love that. They're never going to want to do a mail-in uh, DVD service. And then, so it's the disruption happens because people are actually like, no, we don't care about that. This is easier for me. I don't have to stop what I'm doing. I just, I can, I can keep it, you know, Blockbuster 30% of their revenues on late fees. I can keep this as long as I want, you know? And so, exactly. But it's, it's, it's like a, um, it's a customer framed disruption for their benefit rather than, you know, look at me, I'm changing things. I'm just doing it a different way. I'm kind of a maverick in my industry. Um, and I guess what I'm getting at is, again, it, if you're going to do business well, it just, it, it feels like more and more, it has to be about your customer and being passionate about what you're doing for them. Yeah. And it's so often that when we're in these strategy sessions, somebody will use like a Blockbuster example and say, well, just like Blockbuster, people didn't want to drive to the store and we got it. And so it's like, I often ask them, so you have this postage.com service where you can print your own stamps. You have that at home, right? Oh no, I would never. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, so you drive to the post office to get stamps. Now, at the same time, you're saying, "What's a stamp?" You know, I don't even send letters anymore. So markets are different. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also interesting to see the impact of uh, of COVID nineteen and our quarantining. You know, stay at home mindset. Now, you know, I I wouldn't be the guy who drives out to a restaurant and picks up the food to bring it home. Now, a lot of people like that even before the pandemic. I like the experience of going to the restaurant. You know, I like somebody to serve me. I like to have different things and try something new that I, you know, take a flyer on. But I, but you look at the restaurants who were able to pivot, you know, who already had a good delivery system or already had a good takeout kind of uh, 
service. And those who have been able to improve it have been the ones that are actually thriving, you know, while the rest of them are really struggling. Well, how often do you talk to a business who, because something else that I'm, I'm gleaning from you that I think um, j- just great from a consultancy space is this ability to help people realize, and it, 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 I don't mean this again harshly, but for people who they, they simply aren't, that what's in their mind is not grounded in reality. And I, and I don't mean in the sense of they're like literally like detached from reality. I mean like their perspective, this is what customers want, you know, you leaning in and being like, well, is that what customers want? Is that really what? And then people are kind of like, oh yeah. Or it's like a guy I talked to who he was, he was launching the startup and it was to build this social media platform. And he's like, it's, it's Facebook, but it's better. I was like, oh, so that's your, that's your pitch. Like we got, we got what, 4 billion people on this platform and you have a better way. Like, what is that better way? You know, it's a way to see it. Yeah. I mean, and I've heard people say like, oh, it's Amazon, but better. Oh, it's, or, or getting to the startup world, you know, oh, it's just like Airbnb, you know? And so like you talk to people like It's this. the Uber for Yeah. Blank. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. it's. No, know. I, and I, I have been called a provocateur in that regard is that I do have that. So for example, you mentioned this, I saw a business plan and they had, you know, X uh, revenue projection. <clears throat> and I said, well, geez, the whole market is worth X. Why now? I said, if I do the math right, you're expecting a 90% market share. Mm. And I said, I don't even think Campbell's Soup has a 90% market share. And I can barely name another soup. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to be that dominant? Does Google have a 90 share? I don't think so. And they go, well, that's a good point. I, you know, well, what kind of market share do you actually think you could get? Year one, year five, year 10. It's not going to be 90 coming out of the box, I can tell you that. So, so there's this, this little stop and think about that for a second. And it's not because I'm a genius. I just, and it just do the, do the math or do the mental gymnastics to think through that program. Well, first of all, I can't believe you would disrespect Progresso like that. <laughs> <laughs> or, or the client said, well, I buy Annie's at Whole yeah. Foods. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure Annie's is a fantastic suit, well, uh, but they are not a dominant market player. <laughs> well, and you've, you've pinged on two things that I think is really, <clears throat> and again, they're, they're a bit obnoxious in these conversations because, you know, obviously your heart is to help people grow their business and move them closer to that truth. But yet sometimes we're our worst, our worst, our own worst enemy, excuse me. And it's in two ways. It's, it's like the anecdotal, oh, well, I love Annie's or, you know, I love uh, Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmare show. Yes. I, just, I, I, eat, I mean, I, I watched this in my sleep basically, but, you know, he goes into this restaurant that is literally on, it's teetering off bankruptcy in an already really challenged, restaurant industry is already really challenging industry. And they say, no one's buying this stuff. And the person that the restaurant owner is like, well, we have that one customer who loves that item. And he's like, I don't care what that was, but that's, that's what we do. And then the second, no, totally the second thing that I think is really interesting is why does it feel like we're, I don't know how to say this without sounding, because I know every single listener is going to be like, well, that's not me, even though it probably is many of them. Why does it feel like we're so disconnected from reality? And so you, you gave the perfect example of market share, or I was talking to a guy who uh, he was wanting to start an in-home uh, personal trainer business. And I said, okay, great. So are you going to like cold call people or what? And he goes, oh, I don't have a cell phone. And I was like, oh, okay, well, are you going to email? And he was like, oh, I don't have a laptop. Are you going to drive around and like post? Oh, I don't own a car. Okay. Well, what's <laughs> like, is there like a community center you're going to walk to? And he's like, oh, not in my town. We only have like 400 people living here. 
And I'm like, so like, how have you developed this business plan when there's obviously so many inabilities for you to actually walk this out? It, but it feels like for whatever reason, we have these blinders on to the most basic, and, and I'm not, we all walk through this journey. My, even mm-hmm. myself, I've walked through this journey of why did I think that? Why did I do that? But I can't figure out what is the thing that causes us to have this veiled, uh, I'm not seeing reality. I'm not seeing the whole picture. Like what, why does that happen? It feels like so often with entrepreneurs. Yeah. I, part of it is we do get on our own head and there's nothing wrong with, you know, I'm falling in love with my idea. And look, we talked about, you got to have passion for your idea. This is your soul's purpose. I mean, if I can come full circle in the discussion, right, you feel that strongly about it. But this is where some tools, some strategic thinking, some friendly moderation consultancy comes in. And you need to put it through a filter. And if you said, Look, if you got in your car right now and you put in the GPS, I want to drive to San Francisco and wherever your listeners are listening from, you're going to put in San Francisco as your destination. And the first thing that GPS is going to revert to, you'll hear it. The wheels are turning. It shows you where you're starting from. And if you don't know where you're starting from, the GPS has no idea what you're talking about. So you're just going to start driving. You have no idea where the car is going to San Francisco. Hmm. But if the GPS says, here's the start, here's your end destination, it will show you turn by turn, you know, directions. And that's the kind of strategic thinking that will really help any entrepreneur or any brand manager of any size. Where do you have to go first? Where do you have to go next? How far is this journey? And if you get to the first gas station and have no money because you ran out of budget, This is what I'm talking about. People Mm. say, hey, I hope you get a 90% share. If you have the budget, you know, just like driving to San Francisco on $20, you're not going to get there unless you're in San Jose already. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, outside. Yeah. yeah. So the, the GPS takes you through these questions. Mm-hmm. And then you say, it's going to take me five days to drive to San Francisco. I don't have that kind of time. Well, then maybe you should fly. That's a whole different strategy. It's a mm-hmm. whole different budget. You know, you see where I'm going. And mm-hmm. I'm using, I'm pulling the metaphor pretty far. But it, to ask those questions of yourself and of your business and of your brand to really uh, get to the tactics and strategy mm-hmm. that you need to develop. Well, and it feels like, and obviously, you know, uh, great, this is a great moment for me to pitch you, but it, it's, these kind of conversations then lead to, it's, it's always a great idea to invest in an unbiased perspective. Uh, there's a really great book in the startup world called Passing the Mom Test. And the, the whole premise of the book is talk less to your mom about your idea and more to actual customers, <laughs> you know, cause your mom is going to be like, Oh, it's such a great, it's idea. You know? wonderful. <laughs> and you're wonderful. little Johnny. You've always been great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And so it's, it's, I mean, I even had a guy one time who he had a product for uh, empty nester mothers who were on the back half of their life. And he was like, so what do you, what do you think about this? And I go, what about that demographic lines up with me? You know, and so like yeah, getting, yeah. helping people understand like, okay, what's an unbiased perspective? What's, what, how do I really get that feedback? Um, I think that's good for any business. And maybe that means they need to hire someone like you. And so since we're out of time, maybe a good way to end this conversation <laughs> would be, uh, what does it look like for people to 
first of all, connect with you, um, to follow up with you, but maybe even work with you. Um, let's go ahead and take a couple of seconds and share that with the audience. Yeah. Well, definitely check out my website. It's Mark hyphen Stinson, S-T-I-N-S-O-N.com. And there you can find my books and you can find some uh, podcast and other audio things uh, uh, just on the topics we're talking about. And then a description of some of these workshop facilitations that I do. Uh, And what I do is really help you think. And so it may be you, but it may be a team of 20. I've done it, you know, uh, uh, speeches to a thousand people. But I'm not going to bring you the answers. I'm not that kind of consultant that you say, go off, study the market and bring us the recommendations and then we'll do them. Mm -hmm. Instead, I'm like, let's roll up our sleeves. Let's ask those questions. Let's use the tools and models as a team because then we've all created it together. It's a, uh, it's a group, you know, effort and we've used the best minds. I mean, Mm -hmm. this going back to the creative thinking, um, if you have two or three people, then you've had two or three angles on this thing. If you have a room of eight, and that's the book, N of Eight. So if you want to have an N of eight people, you're going to get a lot more diverse experiences and thinking uh, to bring to the party. And, and to kind of wrangle that thinking is my job as the facilitator. Well, and how valuable that is. And not to go down another rabbit trail as we're wrapping up, but I mean, it feels like there's so much value in being that person who's open to those diverse perspectives. Um, I remember I was in a meeting once where the meeting leader said, okay, someone tell me why this won't work. And someone was like, well, this is why it won't work. And the leader was like, well, you don't know what you're talking about. And he was like, <laughs> you asked me to say, you know, and it was like, all of a sudden it was like, okay, wait, you can't, you can't both ask for this and then not accept the feedback. So that's right. Um, and, and there's a great book called the heart aroused that has the opposite kind of story like that. Yeah. You know, the chairman of the board is going around the room and everybody's going, yes, yes, yes. Cause they know it's his idea. And finally, you know, the guy is sweating at the end, knowing that he has to say, <laughs> I have to be the one. Dang, you know? on and he goes, uh, no, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Mark, but yeah, and anybody who wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, I love to make friends, uh, you know, on LinkedIn and you can look me up there too. Well, Mark, it's been a great time sitting down with you. You've been a great guest and you've got me thinking, I'm sure for the guests as well. I mean, for the listeners, they enjoyed it as well. Well, thanks. Just a terrific conversation. And yeah, you said, you, let's just have some coffee. So I felt like uh, this was a good coffee chat. Good, good, good. Well, hey, for our listeners, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. What the heck are you waiting on? This is the one place you need to go to to get more good advice for your business. Hey, I'm going to put Mark's information down in the episode description below. I'm also going to put his link to his website where you can check out the book, A World of Creativity, and also both podcast links are going to be down in the episode description below. Make sure you follow Mark on LinkedIn. And as always, thank you so much for supporting the podcast. You can find out more about that at our Patreon, patreon.com slash goodadvice. Hey, we appreciate you. Thanks for the support. We'll catch you later. See ya.